0: Hello and welcome to the Hello Judges podcast. My guest this week is Aga Royeska. Aga works freelance with lots of awesome coffee companies across the world, as well as having her own coffee brand, Sheep and Raven. Aga was the first woman to win the World Barista Championship and has an extremely lengthy list of competition success, including 2022 World Coffee and Good Spirits Champion, London Coffee Masters Champion multiple national Polish SCA competition wins including Barista, Brewer's Cup, Czeswe Ibrik, Latte Art and so many more. There's a lot to learn from Aga's success and I tried to get into it in this episode. This episode of Hello Judges is kindly sponsored by Happy Tamper, patented espresso tools for better coffee and peace of mind. This podcast has medium sweetness followed by medium acidity and the last one, bitterness. It's also medium please enjoy all right aga welcome to the podcast hello how are you yeah good how's your day been so far well you know it's it's not that
1: late so i had my morning coffee uh, breakfast and uh, then some paperwork and now we we have a chat so it's pretty good yeah that's great (laughs) what what
0: coffee did you drink this morning
1: well we had uh because you know it's december a little bit of a Christmas season, so we decided to get some of the fruit-infused coffees, so we were tasting a few interesting ones, Uh, one is uh, fermented with strawberry and the other is fermented with uh, lula fruit, so maybe it's not, it's like, you know, it's like a little bit of a grey area, you cannot use those coffees in competition, but people love it anyway, so
0: well it's interesting they recently changed the rule like there was a clarification on the rules for 2024 and you can now yeah. use them if it's uh infused before the the sort of green coffee export stage i yeah. think
1: yeah yeah they you know they it's a little bit within the rules is uh, they will evolve in the way that markets evolve so if those yeah. coffees are uh, wanted by customers and they keep happening in the on the market the produce ac- producers actually make them sooner or later they will be introducing them uh, to the competition because it just makes uh, competition a little bit more exciting interesting uh, and you know those kinds of coffees they have more obvious flavors it's like when we describe geisha coffee or like uh, some of those competition coffees and then people taste it they are not really able to say well it is acidic but i wouldn't say it's a peach flavor but when you give them coffee infused uh, with you know with the or fermented with peach it's so obvious that they immediately are more encouraged to enter that specialty world so
0: yeah i definitely think it's a good win for like accessibility for like people who aren't used to like tasting complex delicate things yeah exactly so you've been uh roasting your own coffee for a little while now right
1: well uh i'm not roasting yet uh so we have a coffee brand but uh, i bought 160 year old house and uh, we will be having a roastery over there but the renovation is very very Complex, uh, long, and expensive. So as for now, I choose the green coffees and I work with uh, Felix. He's a world roasting champion from 2022, and he's roasting my coffee. Uh, so you know, I make sure that the good hands actually take care of that. Uh, but I'm choosing the I'm choosing the the beans and, and the coffees that we have in the offer. And hopefully next year I will start roasting myself.
0: That's great. So how long have you been uh, using Coffee Roasted by Felix in different competitions then? Well, so
1: I actually did it only once because we met in Milan in 2022 when he won the roasting and I won uh, Coffee in Good Spirits. Uh, So we met over there and we just started to talk if he would be willing to roast coffee for me for the competition. And then then he was roasting uh, for a Ibrick, uh championship in 2023 in Athens and also for the nationals. So it's been only two times because we know each other very shortly, but we immediately get the, you know, connection.
0: Oh well, Yeah. Who better to trust with your coffee than a world roasting champion? Yeah. He had a good, uh, you know, good uh, CV for that. Yeah, definitely. Let's uh, wind it way back. How did you get mm-hmm. started in competition and what was your first one? Oh, that that was a very long time ago. So it was
1: 2008. Um, I started in coffee in 2008 in uh, in a Polish coffee chain, something similar to Costa, but it used to have a different name. Uh, so my first competition was in 2008. Uh, I didn't actually sign up myself because it was internal competition. In the in the big chains, it works like okay so the the company will put let's say three people to the nationals, but because there is I don't know two and a half thousand people working within the company, they' made the internal, let's say qualification. So I took part in those qualifications. I didn't I wasn't good enough to uh, go to the nationals, but I was only working in coffee for four months. Uh, but I felt that I learned so much on the way. Uh, of those two months of preparation uh, my skills improve, skills improved, my knowledge improved and I decided that next year I'll do it
0: again. So I started 2008 by total accident. That's great. and then like since then you've like I've trying to figure out how many different competitions you've been in and won and oh. so many
1: yeah it's it's somebody actually made me count it one time uh so i don't think that i did count that internal competition but altogether it was it is around 65 different competitions uh and i won around one third of them so like 21 i think or 22 something like that uh but you know it's uh basically i did enter almost Every official competition that there was, I, I never competed in roasting and cup tasting uh, because still it, it is for me a little bit of the area that uh, I don't do it on my regular basis. So it's much more difficult to possess that skill and to be confident and not just you know trained. Uh, and also I up till now I didn't need a roasting skill. Somebody else was roasting for me. And cup tasters for me, it's very much uh, connected to uh, quality control. So it's again, more of a roastery work than a coffee shop work. Uh, so I haven't done this one yet. But I did the uh, Dalmeyer coffee competition that was held on the highest mountain in Germany. So it was 2,500 meters or, or 3,000 meters above sea level. Very difficult conditions, especially for brewing coffee, because you know the coffee boils in different temperature. so it was pretty interesting, and they actually did uh, invited uh, co- coffee champions from all around the world. It was kyle Ramage from the United States. there were some people from Asia, there were various champions from U- Europe, so it was a little bit uh, different. Uh, I did competed in South Korea for a world cocktail battle something like that. I don't even remember the name correctly and there were mostly Asians competing over there. Uh, So there are a few different ones, but I did mostly compete in SEA competitions.
0: That's amazing, like especially like when you've entered was, you know, 60 plus competitions and you've won about a third of them. It's quite an amazing statistic. It is not bad, but, you know, you always w- would like to have more than 50%. <laughs> but I
1: think it's impossible. You know, w- when you when you even think about it, I started to compete in 2008. And it was at least one competition uh, a year. But my the first time I ever won was six years later, was 2014. So, you know, the statistics go very bad immediately. Uh, but I, I think that this is a, the part that a lot of people don't really appreciate that uh, if you are very successful in competitions, this is what they remember but they are not even aware of how many times you tried. Yeah.
0: It's very yeah. common. <laughs> so, like, from having a look at the competitions you've won, like, 2018 World Barista Championships, you've won Coffee Masters, mm-hmm. uh, Coffee and Good Spirits, your multiple-time, you know, Polish Brewers Cup, um, Polish Latte Art, Polish barista, you know, Chesve. It, go, it goes on. Like, I, from my understanding, you are the most successful barista competitor of all time with the most championships to your name. Well, uh, yes
1: and no, uh, because I know that there are a few competitors in Asia that uh, have m- more titles in general uh, conquered on their name, but they mostly do... There are some competitions that we cannot enter Uh, they have a lot of you know in in south korea uh, for example it's very common to have uh, big uh, latter throwdowns. let's say five or six within a year uh, and that uh, person won a lot of latter competitions uh, so he uh, he actually claims that he's the most successful i i don't i don't i don't try to take it for myself uh, because for me, in the end, it's uh, not that really important to be the most successful. It's mostly about my own development. I treat competition more like a like a test in school. If I really want to learn something and I want to learn it very, very well, uh, any competition is kind of a test or a deadline because I am I'm lazy a little bit. So if I just want to say to myself, okay, I will learn how to do this. It doesn't work, but if there is a deadline uh, to that uh, commitment, uh, it always works better. So for me, it's mostly about my own uh, development and the success is just uh, an extra. Uh, But like the amount of titles is just uh, a way for me to prove that I did possess the knowledge that I wanted, the knowledge and the skills that I wanted.
0: Do you think because you've won so many championships that there's a lot of uh, external pressure on you or do you manage to just focus on what you're trying to achieve?
1: No, there is there is a lot of pressure, but I think that the, the biggest pressure actually comes from myself. Uh, I know in some competition it feels, and, and I have the feeling that uh, people want more from me because of my past and my my previous successes. So they expect that I will be, you know, so much better, uh, which is sometimes not fair and sometimes I understand it. Uh, but I would like to be treated equally. Would be great. Uh, on the other hand, I think it's mostly in my head that I have to do better because of the titles that I have, especially the two world titles. I put the pressure on myself that. I cannot lose, or like, or there is the only result satisfying me is at least top three, because it would be not a disappointment, but it would be a shame for me to not win nationals, for example. Uh, So, the biggest enemy of a competitor is always the competitor. (laughs) Because, like, you know, the people around, they they already know who you are, what you did, and they appreciate your work. And uh, it's only in your head to, make it too complicated
0: yeah absolutely like a competition can be won or lost based on your mindset i think
1: yeah exactly
0: so aside from like wanting to push yourself and learn as much as possible what else motivates you when you compete
1: well i think it's mostly the learning curve like uh, there is no you know, there are no real prizes in the competition. So it's not like, like, if I will win it, I will get a car. Or if I will win it, I will get something. So there is no this ma- material element to it. Uh, maybe in Coffee Masters you win money, which is nice. But in the, in the World Barista Championship, it's basically you win the title. And whatever you're able to do with the title, it's yours. You can do something great and you can do nothing. Uh, so for me, it was always about developing my skills and uh, because coffee is very, I keep saying that coffee is very annoying because the moment you can learn a lot and it's always not enough because it keeps changing like uh, new processing methods, new brewing methods, new machines, like new researches about how actually coffee extracts like you, every single day and week brings something new and there is no moment that you can stop learning. And competition is a great platform to see all those innovations from around the world and uh, meet the people and create the network. And I think that the, the, also the other advantage of competition is that you're really able to create your own international network uh, and also get you know experience from different markets, which is great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Are you preparing for any competitions at the moment?
1: well as for now i am on the waiting list <laughs> because uh, you know because it's getting more and more popular and a lot of people want to compete so uh, in poland we had only 18 spots for the brewers cup and the rule was that you know the fastest signed ups uh, go into competition and i did type too slow uh, i'm probably a boomer you know the the younger people were faster so i am on the waiting list so if, if everything goes well i will be competing in brewer's cup
0: but if not i will just keep it for the next year and is that um for the championships in chicago would that be 2024 yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 there is also a plan to
1: go back to a lateral competition but uh this is a last time i competed was 2018 and since that moment it's uh developed very very much mostly in asian countries and it's and the level is totally crazy and uh, and i have a feeling that my body is too old to possess that skills uh, so i'll be thinking about that but uh, it just might be i might miss my chance uh Before uh, and I will never be able to go back to the same level because latté is different than other competitions. It's very much about uh, practice. You know, it's just like a physical practice. You just need to spend the amount of hours and uh, make certain number of repeats of the same pattern to to get to certain level. Uh, And it's just it's very time consuming, like Brewers Cup is more mostly about sourcing barista is sourcing and also preparation cup tasters is uh, a little bit of your skills and then also practice uh roasting if you know what you're roasting and you can read the the rules properly also should be pretty easy coffee and good is about creating new flavors and creativity but latter is the the one that requires the most time in a training room uh, so this is another element that is difficult so for many competitors to understand that the resource of time for Latter art that you need to have is, let's say, 160 hours a month of practice.
0: It's so much, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. It should what? be,
1: you should be, for Latter art, you should be making around 5 to 10,000 repeats of one pattern to make sure that your body knows it and, and you cannot make it any better, which is a lot.
0: I think that's uh, some great advice. Like we've not really talked about latte art championships on this podcast before, but like, you know, people all over the world are preparing right now and you know, it's, you know, it's a huge undertaking.
1: Yeah, it is like, especially when, when you think about it's time and money, because you need coffee and milk in this competition. Mm, of course it's not very sustainable but uh, if you really want to prepare on the highest level you need to practice on the milk and on the coffee that you will be competing and because of course like if you're practicing the basic skills like latte art art, rosetta or tulip or or like you know just you're starting you can use uh, either old coffee or coffee with roasting defect that the is not selling, and you can use those drops that will behave very similar to milk. But the moment you're going to the world stage, you need to practice on the products that you will be using on stage because different milk, different coffee, different cup. Uh, this all will affect the the way that the pattern behaves in the in the cup. So the moment you're practicing, let's say on a uh, on oat milk instead of cow's milk. or or the opposite, the moment you will be on stage pouring that pattern, your body remembers certain movements and certain behaviors. And if it will create in a different way, you will be just stressed that it's something that you weren't prepared for. So you cannot underestimate the power of preparation, especially in this one.
0: Absolutely. There's like so many subtle, like micro adjustments that your body makes when you're doing these things. Like I saw an article, I think it was on Sprudge where they were talking about, it was difficult to get robots to learn to like carry drinks because of their fluid dynamics and the way that you just know to adjust to balance it. It's really interesting. So what would you say is like your, what was the biggest challenge? Like what was your hardest one victory?
1: Well, uh, so my biggest challenge in general was that uh, and people don't believe me, but I am I am an introvert. So going on stage and in the early years was uh, very difficult because I don't like, you know, public performances. Well, you after after me saying that I did it 65 times, you might say like that now I'm lying, but it's it was actually this part that I needed to like take the much the, the most effort to overcome like you wanted to compete you want to show your skills so you need to learn how to be on stage and to be a little bit a uh, different person out of your comfort zone for that uh, let's say 15 minutes to half an hour and I think this was the the biggest uh, it was the biggest uh, challenge for me. And I think that the first time I felt uh, pretty, and I didn't win at the time. And uh, the, the first time I felt pretty much confident on stage was Polish Latter Championship 2013. I I went, I was five, fifth, I was fifth. Uh, but the fun part is that my body wasn't able to make a Rosetta on stage during the, the performance time, because my legs and my hands were shaking so much. So I wasn't even doing patterns that used this Rosetta as, a, as an element before that. And on that year, uh, I decided to take the risk. And in the semi-final, I felt when I was actually making the pattern, I felt that, well, I actually have control of my body. And this was the first time that I felt OK on stage. Uh, and even that, that I didn't want that time, I only from that year I only performed better, and I getting I was getting more and more confident because I get used to the feeling and the stress on stage, and I think that was maybe not the biggest win, but this was the biggest. uh, it's, uh the the big moment on on my way to to get a, to be a better competitor.
0: Do you feel like a, a million times different now to how you felt like back in those first few competitions?
1: No, I still just feel the same.
0: <laughs>
1: then it's also something that people don't consider, but uh, every single time I'm on stage, and there is this: you have preparation time when you set, you put all that stuff on a table, you you, you know you prepare your station for the ten or fifteen minutes of performance time, and there is this short moment between preparation time and performance time when you're waiting for judges, and this is this is always the moment when in my head there is the same conversation like why are you doing that why are you even why like you don't even like that like it's so stressful it costs so much money you're not rested you haven't slept you like why are you doing that like what's the point and then the judges come on stage you call time and and everything starts uh but i have this conversation in my head every single time uh, so it didn't improve. I don't feel I don't feel confident on stage ever. I just uh, I think. I just get used to the, the stress and I learn how to maybe not deal with it, but I learn how how it works on the competition time. So I just uh, I just I just get used to it. <laughs>
0: yeah you definitely learn so much about yourself and how to like handle yourself because of the pressure you're put under yeah yeah exactly like i always think of uh, i think it was 2017 when dale won and yeah. if you like go on youtube and you watch his finals routine he's still like shaking when he's pouring those mm-hmm. milk drinks yeah. and he's like he's done that so many times but you just yeah. you can't control it no no like i
1: uh people always people many times ask me like so what do you do uh like to control the stress and i always answer that uh, well you cannot control it you can just learn how your body reacts to this amount of stress because some people sweat they they just get all wet on their you know on their heads and the and the and the sweat is dripping from their nose other people they shake uh, their hands or their legs are shaking Uh, The other ones just go pale or they are very hot. Like, you know, some, those are very personal elements that uh, the first time you will be on stage, you will learn how your body reacts in that situation. And uh, on the, you know, the first time on stage, you will see that and learn, and then you will be able to decide if this is something that I can overcome or the feeling is so bad that I don't wanna do it again.
0: Yeah, I think seeing the um, almost like vulnerability of people who are like world champions, seeing how they still like go through all this kind of makes the competition a little bit more accessible to people who are thinking about doing it, but are feeling a bit nervous. And it just helps them understand that like, everyone feels like that
1: yeah like that's every single competitor if if it's a national if it's a world uh if it's even like a throw down in a neighborhood cafe it's a it's like a test in school like you always get a little bit stressed and it doesn't matter if you have done it for fifteen years like me or you're doing it for the first time like we all behave like we all go through the same just the more experienced competitor they already know the drill they know that you know there will be this element this element and this element so they are able to get into that zone a little bit better because they they already know what to expect and the newcomers they will be just more they will be learning at the time so there will be bad decisions there will be a question they will be you know a little bit more stressed because of you know the organizational part of delays and and all that stuff but uh, when somebody is doing it for the first time or at least thinking about it uh, my biggest advice for them is just to do it because there will be never there will be never a time like this perfect time will never happen you can either just do it and then decide it was awful i don't ever want to do it again or you will decide that okay I fucked up, I want to do better. But until you won't try it for the first time, uh, you will never know the answer. And just also going to the first competition with expectations that you will win. That's a very big mistake because you put additional pressure to already a huge amount of stress. You should just take the first competition as a, as a tryout to, to even see if this is something that you want to repeat. And if you don't, it's totally fine. There are amazing baristas that never competed because they just co- go completely, you know, blank uh, for the on the speech on stage, or they they want to faint, or like you know, they they just said that I know coffee and I feel great in the coffee environment in the coffee shop, but I will never go with those skills on stage because it's somewhere I would just not feel comfortable enough.
0: yeah totally agree with that so it's quite well documented in the uh, the film coffee heroes um your preparation for the 2018 world barista championships but do you have a sort of set way that you approach training for each competition and like how do you manage your time with that
1: well uh I, i'm not as i said I, i'm a little bit lazy but i'm also a little bit uh, chaotic because i don't have a regular job so uh there is no for me there's no working from eight to five or eight to four on, on a regular basis i do a lot of free freelance jobs like i go for china for five days of training and then i go back and i have let's say three days off so i always need to um, kind of adjust my training schedule to the uh to the my time availability on spot uh It is much easier if you already have a space that is, let's say open for you for 24 hours, and then you can have all the setup and just go there and practice whenever you can. Uh, But on the preparation time for competition, because of my experience, I, I am more or less able to say what stuff I can do. Let's say remotely, I don't have to be in that spot, like write the speech, Get the inspiration, order stuff, uh, you know, like samples of coffees, and discuss with the some stuff with the coach, and and like uh, organize, uh, let's say the, the backstory of the competition, like a plane or a car, transportation, hotel, stuff that you get on spot. So this this is something that I do, let's say, in the meantime. But when it comes to uh, practice, I try to practice at least four hours a day three months ahead of competition and then when it comes when the when the date is getting closer and closer it goes from four to eight to ten hours so uh, you know it depends on how good it goes if it go very bad you try to practice more if it goes very well you can uh, focus on just like polishing the deals details, details. Uh, it's never like a very well estimated time It a little bit depends on uh, On how complex is the competition? I think that the barista competition requires the most practice, uh, because it's because it is the most complex. Like even the preparation of the ingredients for the signature beverage, or now for the milk, it just requires more time in uh, in a training room with the coffee, with the ingredients. Brewer's cup is easier; you can practice at home. It's you know. The time is also not that limited. So it's pretty easy to brew three exceptional coffees if you know how to brew. Then you're just like, you know, changing the details. Coffee in good spirit is very difficult because it it includes alcohol. So you're basically drunk for a month, uh, which makes practice a little bit more difficult. Uh, And then, you know, we always need a break after that. Uh, later as I said, it's just, you know, very physical and that's some, some, something that also happens is that people that practice laterat a lot, they got sore muscles and they have to break for, uh, uh, for a week. Uh, so I wouldn't say that there is there is a time zone or like timing that I try to follow. Uh, I just have a rule that if your head or your body needs a break, take a break like if you're exhausted bored angry annoyed whatever with the with your coffee with your training with anything uh your body needs recovery your mind needs recovery and recovery is part of preparation
0: do you do anything particular to help you like unwind when you're trying to take a break
1: no no not really (laughs) it's uh you know because I do it for so many years. Competition is kind of a part of my life. So there is almost never a time in the year that I don't think about competition. You know, when it's when it's after the after the last year's World Championship, a uh, three weeks later, I already think about new coffees and contact people about samples and like what coffees they can get and what are the trends. So it's it's kind of a part of the schedule. So if I wanna if I wanna relax, I just I think I just already have it in my regular schedule. So there is nothing special that I do. Maybe just don't drink coffee for a while. Always helps. <laughs>
0: um can you think like what are some of the biggest mistakes you've made and learned from in competition? Mistakes? Well, uh first first of all it's
1: something something that I will be saying a lot is that never underestimate the power of preparation, uh never estimate, underestimate the power of writing down your speech, uh because a lot of competitors they like, "Yeah, I know what to say, and I understand you know what to say about coffee, but then you need to say it in a certain amount of time while doing the coffee. So it's actually a little bit better to write it down. Uh, always make a checklist uh, have a backup plan uh, for everything because uh, there is always something that can go wrong and even if it's something you think cannot break uh, it can break uh, I had this story from 2019 Brewers Cup so my coffee on the semi-final day tasted very very good and on the finals it was totally different coffee, like total crap. Like something changed like overnight and the coffee was not even close to what it should taste like. So you need to have a, let's say a backup plan, like a different roast day, date or green coffee that you can roast on spot. There's always something that you need to have. Uh, uh, what else? Uh, always go to the bathroom before the competition time. You never know how long you will be on stage and how long the judges, it will take for the judges to arrive. Uh, and it doesn't help if you really have to go to the bathroom during the competition time, because they will not allow you to do that. And uh, always eat before going on stage, like not a huge meal, but something that uh, your body will be able to uh, get some sugar, power, or whatever. Uh, because on that fifteen minutes you will probably use more calories than over a ten k run. It's so stressful. <laughs> oh, and that's uh, th- th- this is simple, but uh, people don't uh, actually think about it. Uh, all those kind of jewelry that you have on on hands that uh, is sometimes hanging. This is uh, this is uh, something that. Uh, you might put it into coffee you might you know drag something on stage so like never wear too many uh hanging stuff on your body because they they're just a wish for a failure and, uh, and also all those kind of tricks that you do on your regular day like you know flipping a portafilter when i'm in a coffee shop i tamp i clean the coffee from the portafilter and then i just turn it like quickly in a hand so it just goes You know, uh, 360 degrees, and if you do it on stage, this will be probably the one time that the coffee will not stay in the porta filter, and it will be all over the 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 table. So all those kind of stuff that you usually do, and they look cool, they might be too risky to do on stage. Yeah,
0: Yeah. don't try too hard to cool. Just focus on your. There is no,
1: there is no box on the score sheet that says. Cool performance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who were some of your uh, heroes in the coffee?
1: Well, it it was a very long time ago. So uh, I think my first hero was Michael Phillips, uh, 2010 World Series Champion. I saw him for the first time uh, a year before uh, in Atlanta. He won the first round, won the second round, and then he was... Uh, I think, third in the final in Atlanta when Gwilym Davis won. Uh, so she was one of my first heroes. Uh, then I had mostly later heroes. So I was uh, watching uh, Esther Mazdam from uh, Netherlands at the time. Uh, so, so she was in the final in Nice 2013, 2013. Uh, who, else? Uh, who else, who else, who else, who else? I think uh, Stephen Layton. He never competed, but he was kind of one of those, let's uh, say, coaches uh, of the, you know, of the of the uh, of the good guys. Uh, there is this Japanese company, I think Ogawa Coffee, and they were winning latter championships almost every year until 2014. So this is also pretty cool. Uh, I liked Max- Maxwell Colonna Duffield performances up till 2015. And I think that's it. That's it. We don't have a lot of uh, cool uh, Coffee Heroes in Eastern Europe, uh, but I hope that this will change maybe in the
0: future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going back to Stephen Layton, he did compete in Brewers Cup in the UK a couple of times, I think. OK, but, but he never won. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He never won, but um. Yeah. Stephen's an interesting character. I think he'd be a good one to get on the podcast maybe because he emceed yeah. so many world championships.
1: Yeah, I remember 2014. It was in Rimini. I was uh, I was volunteering over there, and uh, he was wearing, of course, the red suit. Uh, and and he always yells a lot. He's like very loud when he's emceeing. So on the first day, he was yelling all, almost all the all the time, and the next day he. Completely lost his voice. So the next day he was emceeing, like barely speaking. It was uh, it was pretty funny because he wanted he tried so hard at the at the first date and, and up till the final days he was just like you know very very quiet and low because he he couldn't speak.
0: So you mentioned um like a few sort of coffee heroes in the Bristol mm-hmm. Championships. Are there one or two like well Bristol Championship routines that you really enjoyed watching?
1: i do like uh charles bobinski 2015 he's uh, he has a very natural and very good routine uh which was very which was for me always very important because i felt that most of those very routines were too complicated like they were they were always about you know a lot of research and a lot of names that i cannot pronounce even you know dale harris I really like the guy and, and we're let's say, kind of friends, but when he had this routine 2017 and he's talking about those chemical compounds, I don't even know what he's talking about. Even if I want to Google it, I have no idea how, to, how to write it down. So, and a lot of those routines, they were always too complicated for me. Uh, and I did like uh, Michael Phillips routine from 2010. Uh, he was using, He was for the first time using the same coffee in three different uh processings i think it was costa rican coffee and because you can only use two grinders and there was no ek at the time he was actually changing hopper in one of the grinders during his performance and it was super packed because he did so many things and he had to explain three coffees and that he barely managed to be in time uh we have a few on and also the alejandro mendes uh, routine of 2018 11 when he for his signature beverage he used only ingredients that actually comes from coffee so there was uh, the cascara there was leaves uh, of course coffee green coffee so it was you know uh he used every let's say stage of coffee uh in his signature beverage which was uh super nice uh, and he also changed the rules because he removed the crema from espresso and the next year there was a rule change that the crema should have to be on uh, have to be on coffee you
0: cannot remove the crema that's interesting i uh i, I love it when something happens and then because of that there's the rule yeah. change next year it's so excited!
1: so you know there was there is also a story of 2008 uh Stephen Morrissey. So if you watch his routines, he was the first one that used the like rock music, it was very different at the time. And he put every dirty stuff that he had underneath the table. So then he got like the maximum score for the, you know, cleanliness of table because it was empty. So he couldn't get he couldn't get any lower than that. And the next year, they said that you cannot you know use the space underneath or like introduce new furniture uh, Colin Harmon he was uh, he was funny because he did the, he asked people to vote what kind of music he should compete in uh, Melbourne 2013 or 12 2012 so if you l- listen to his routine he has this you know eight uh, classic from the 80s and some of those you just kind of question yourself like why you why you have this music in the competition because people actually bought it, so so he just
0: went for those kind of stuff yeah it's, it's really uh, interesting when you read through the rule sheet uh, you read like strange rules mm-hmm. you're like why is that there and it's almost always because somebody has done something strange in yeah, competition.
1: It, even if you look at the uh, definition of espresso it's i think it's 12 points like what it is, it's like you know, made out of coffee grounds, uh on one side of portafilter. There's like you know, every single thing that should that when you read it, it's like it's so obvious, but definitely something somebody tried to do something else. So they needed to clarify it in that way. So it's like one side of double portafilter double porta filter, not like uh, you know, any other type of extraction. This is amu- this amount of coffee, only this is placed in a porta filter blah, blah, blah. So there's like 12 points to clarify and not to overcomplicate it, the Espresso.
0: Um, so you mentioned earlier like advice for new people wanting to get yeah. into competition is just just go for it. Like yeah. you don't know until you give it a try. Do you have any other sort of like key like tips and hints that would be good for a, a new competitor?
1: Well, first of all, the, uh... Don't really, like, if you're looking at the previous year competition, like, let's say, previous year World Press Championship, don't get inspired too much. You can, you know, you can look on the general aspect, like, what is the drill, what they have to what how they talk about it, like, how they describe copies and and what they do. But uh, don't get too inspired, because if you want to copy somebody that won, he already won. This will not win the next competition. It's mostly like a guidance, how to behave, what to say, what might be the you know, the the theme of the competition, but somebody already done it. Barista competition is mostly about what is your idea for coffee, and there is no bad idea. There is no such thing that let's say talking about the the new processing method is better subject than talking about customer service. There's no such thing, like, it's have to be yours. This is the most important uh, element on competition. Uh, you cannot buy competition coffee uh, on the shelf. Like, competition coffees have to have a little bit better qualities. Uh, and uh, never, this is important, never be afraid of asking for help because there is a lot of people that will help you, like, roasteries, they will help you with coffee or they always have something that they don't have on the regular sale and they might be willing to support you with coffee for competition don't be afraid of asking people uh, on instagram or like on on uh, on public cuppings uh, on some advices about competition because specialty coffee is very open and they will answer the question nobody will tell you uh, that you can find everything on the internet and and you shouldn't be asking that publicly uh if you won't ask for help you will not get it but if you ask there is a chance that you will get it Uh so like don't be don't be uh afraid and always have a, a backstage buddy you cannot make competition alone it's a team sport you only see one person on stage but it's actually a team effort you need to have somebody that will help you and that know your routine as good as
0: you at least have you had anyone who's like been with you throughout the majority of the competitions or have you just got different people at different no, times? No 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 like
1: I I did for, since 2014 until 2020 I had uh, my friend from Poznań Paula. so she was in most of the latter world championship and she was with the uh, with me in Amsterdam and she was she was mostly responsible for, for cleaning my stuff which is important because you have to focus on something else a little bit uh, I always have uh, let's say uh, kind of a coach kind of a ghost advisor uh, which is my, uh, my partner she's mostly into uh, making sure that I don't go too crazy So when, because I I have a lot of ideas, Uh, a lot of ideas there are next to the score sheet, you know, so they are cool ideas, but they don't give you points. So she's more organized and she's always asking like, okay, but if you do it, where will you get extra points? And then like, it's a cool idea. I'm like, yes, but it doesn't give you points. It's just uh, a cool idea. Nothing else than that. So she's always, you know, my, uh, I don't know how to say it, but a kind of advisor, kind of a, a mind. I'm mostly like you know, I, I I go I go by the heart and she goes by the brain. Uh, so she's helping me with that, and she's with me uh, in almost every competition right now. Uh, and I had uh, a little bit different help on uh, in Milan. It is a guy that started with uh, uh, helping me in Milan, but now he's competing. So especially that I'm kind of on, on the way to retire uh, because there is not a lot of competition that I can still compete in. Uh, he uh, We had kind of the agreement that he will help me in Milan and I will advise him to national competition. And he already been in, in three finals. So I think it's it's not bad. It's good to have somebody that is with you most of the time. So you don't have to teach them. And they don't get offended if you're a little bit, not nice, like, you know, grumpy or angry, or it's stress, you're a different person on backstage. So it's it's good that the person that is with you already knows those behaviors, that they will not get offended. So they will be like, yeah, okay, we'll get a beer after after that.
0: Yeah, definitely the intensity backstage is insane. Like you get, you know, whether it's like an hour's set up to practice time for yeah. a barista, like all of a sudden it just flies by and you're like oh okay i think my coffee's dialed in like um wow all this time's gone i guess i gotta go on stage now it's yeah. uh it's a crazy atmosphere yeah it is it is especially on the on the first round when you have uh,
1: the most competitors like coffee goose good spirits 20 something later at 30 something barista competition around 50 and there is, you know, everybody in there. And on that first day, on the, you know, the preliminary round, you know, the first round, they still get high hopes. Like they still believe that they will be in semifinal and final. So the tension in there, and like you know, the crowd in there, and it's 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 totally different than on on the next days. Which is sometimes you feel that some people are a little bit too stressed, and some people are a little bit too relaxed.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's super important to make sure you've got someone with you who knows you and who is a bit sensible.
1: Yeah, and they will also
0: remind you to go to the bathroom and go eat. It's very important. Definitely the number one uh, piece of advice for any barista competitor is go to the bathroom and make sure you eat.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the easy one, but this is the one that uh, is the easiest to forget. And it might cause it might cause a little bit of
0: problem later on. Uh, Agar, was there anything else that you like had on your mind that you were hoping to talk about before we wrap things up? No, I don't think you know. I can talk about competitions for hours. It's a, it's a, it's a big
1: part of my life. So uh, if there would be anything that you wanted to ask,
0: but you forgot, you can always, you know, call me back and and we can we can do a part two. That's amazing. It's been an yeah. absolute pleasure to have you on. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Hello Judges podcast. I really enjoyed chatting with Aga. It was a super wide-ranging chat in scope and there's loads of advice in there that I'll definitely be taking on next time I compete. This is the last episode of 2023, so thank you for listening and I hope you have a great festive season. If you have any questions or any suggestions, you can email me at hellojudgespodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks again to Happy Tampa for sponsoring this episode. We're going to let this podcast cool down a little bit to the optimum listening temperature. So please do not assess until I've called time. Thank you. Time.